This is the Good Bad Mad podcast. I'm your host, Meg Ellis, and I sit down with some of your favorite creatives to talk about the creative life. We talk film, theater, literature, fashion, and more. We explore what goes into building a creative career. This episode, we chat with actor and producer Eric Baer. He started his career at age nine in Annie Hall, but later went on to explore the world of tech. Now in his filmmaking renaissance, Eric is pushing the boundaries of independent motion capture with his series Belonging, now available on Apple TV. So tell me, how are you? I'm feeling fabulous. I mean, we just had this premiere on Friday. Oh, how exciting. uh, Was that a festival? No, it was our our coming out party. It was for it was just for uh, for us, we were celebrating. We launched on Apple TV on Thursday, mm-hmm. and then we got all seven of the directors from around the world gathered together in LA at the Lumiere on Friday wow. for a um, for our kind of coming yeah. out party. We, we, Is that the first time they'd all been together collectively? There was one festival that showed it, yeah. but this is the first time many of us met. Uh, so we had uh, we had produced this over pandemic. So and we can you know we can talk about this. Yeah. Um, no, I'm definitely excited to, sure. to kind so, of go into the ins and outs. But let's let's kind of go right back to the beginning yeah. um, first, because uh, good bad bad. We're all kind of about giving insight into creative careers and really sharing and mentoring um, yeah. upcoming creatives so that they can just find information a little bit easier you know it's, it's a tough industry if you don't have the connections or the <laughs> or the training or, or, or the establishment around right, you so right. we like to kind of dive into people's personal stories and I know uh from doing my little research you all started quite young um yeah I was I, st- I both started young and I started old <laughs> but you started as an actor um that well, was kind I of I started out as a human being well yes and uh, and Woody Allen came to uh, PS40. I was in second grade, and he picked out a bunch of funny-looking kids for Annie Hall, and uh, and so that was the first film I was in. Yeah. And I had this bit of a meme line: "I used to be a heroin addict, now I'm a methadone addict." I mean. And and that got me into the Screen Actors Guild. It was before SAG and AFTRA had merged, and and then I grew up in musical theater, singing, dancing, you know using the whole instrument and then um i had a jazz dance teacher when i was 20 uh advised me not to go into performing arts mm-hmm. being a white male privileged happy-go-lucky kid i didn't know suffering i didn't have anything to say mm-hmm. and um I, I not because of what she said but uh that comes back later i i decided to go into tech right I, had studied cognitive science, cognitive psychology, and computer science, and I went off to be a tech entrepreneur. And so I spent uh, three decades in in a totally different field. I mean, it, yeah, invention and patent licensing and designing products for yeah. people in everyday life. And um, was that was that choice? I mean, not to be too intrusive, but was that choice primarily dictated by that kind of this is a really tough industry or was it because you had this more curiosity and and just wanted to explore different areas no i didn't know anything about the acting industry at the time i it was because i had this incredible skill 
to gather people together, to create teams, to create mm -hmm. technology, and to make really good money doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was I was fortunate in that way. And I was just kind of drove to do what I was able to do in the world as, you know, as a as a productive person. But then it was really missing. The performing arts aspect yeah. was missing. And and then I remembered what that jazz dance teacher had said to me. And I had been through some stuff. You know, my my partner is a cancer survivor. I've raised two kids, um, you know, out of orphanages, which comes with this whole world of stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, the businesses we had been through the boom and bust a couple of times, uh, you know, and um, what came back, what she had said to me, I was like, oh, Eric Bear knows suffering. I can perform now. I've lived. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? So I sold my last company mm -hmm. and uh, and I went back to conservatory to kind of unlearn everything I had thought I knew about performing mm -hmm. and relearn how to just be an ordinary person on camera and on stage just like we are in everyday life because there's these layers of nonsense that we put on when we think about acting that are habitually needed to be unwound that's a really lovely way of putting it, actually it's like all those performing arts is, is stripping away the performance element that you that you had when you were younger and putting the the emotion and the human element into it of your experience yeah. when you're older yeah exactly. that's such a lovely way to put it um and then when when was this was this pre-pandemic when you started to retrain yeah the, it was a perfect storm mm. meg i um it was pre-pandemic 2018 was my first year of conservatory so 2018 20 um 19 two years intensive conservatory and then boom <laughs> boom pandemic and um i uh <laughs> Then we moved to Zoom for classes. Yes, and we did. That was phenomenal because you could take classes all over the world. I was taking classes in LA and classes in New York. And then mm -hmm. I was collaborating with people in Australia and classes in, in the UK. I was studying performance capture with Victoria Atkin. And um, uh, so that really opened it up, opened yeah. up the connections. Um, but it was really the pandemic that kind of kick, kicked me into performance capture because it was I mean, a way to it does sound like your two worlds completely aligned yeah for 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 better or for worse I yeah. think um because I really wanted to get away from tech I was yeah. like living in this yin intellectual world and I wanted to drop so deeply into my heart and my body and mm -hmm. just live from connection and, and humanity. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, being a reasonably smart person and facile with tech, um, I got connected up with this performance capture stuff, which mm -hmm. I could do really easily because it was just, you know, I could do that stuff. Now that I envy because it, it, as part of this, I did some research into this tech and it is confusing. Yeah. <laughs> and complicated and yeah well, we should talk about some of that and can simplify and, and demystify it 
A hundred percent. That's definitely something I wanted to dive into with you because to to a, a, a layman like myself, like you, obviously you go to the movies and, and you see these incredible things, you see video games and you, all, all these, these things and you're just like, damn, that's impressive. You never quite think about how it actually comes together until right, you're looking right. at the tech and the... Um, unreal engines and and all of that so was that stuff you were familiar with before this project or no, no i mean i was familiar with the the concept of performance capture and motion mm -hmm. capture um you know it it was a a dream of mine to do you know like be in planet of the apes movies you know do primate stuff yeah. you know like really dropping into the body and forget about the words let's just go for authentic presence i mean it's an incredible transformation and um you know i i, I was able to connect it with terry notary who choreographed much of the work kind of the apes he made me you know custom arm extensions for my body size and i would you know go out and do um you know learn how to amble as a quadruped it was really embarrassing for my kids because my partner would be holding the dog on the leash and then I'd be like, you know, ambling on the hike and bike trail. And my kids were like, my parents are fucked. <laughs> that's so much. But it's also that that's something I love about actors is just that I don't give a damn. I'm going to explore the full breadth of mind, body and soul, you know, like for, yeah. for, for good, for bad, whatever you're going right. to do it and that is something that i find incredibly impressive so um yeah so so i it was because of the primate stuff mm. that i started to learn the unreal um i mean i built a home home capture studio in in my in, in my home and um you know i reached out to these manufacturers who make the suits who make the gloves who make the helmets and i was like i want to do i want to do accurate primate capture in an indie fashion how do we do that? Yeah. And they just didn't have it set up. Like they, uh, they had a suit that was made for bipeds, you know, human beings. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, about my arms are going to be a foot and a half longer and my hands need to be at the ground, not up where I'm holding the grip. Um, how do we do that? And so, you know, I was able to rewire their suit wow. to, to virtually move my hand down to the ground the one i was using the arm yeah. extensions and because i had done that stuff it's exactly what you were saying it was that kind of left brain right brain mm. um uh embodied work but also the technical and then i started do, i was um doing out of box tutorials you know and how to do yeah. this stuff and how you can transform the systems and um you know bizarrely became an influencer in the space it was like, what is actually going on here? Um, was not my intention. Yeah. I just wanted to make stuff and figure out how to embody it. Um, and then it kind of came. Go ahead. That like that's what um, is is like the hook for me here. That's the curious thing. Is like I've never considered trying to bring that kind of tech down to an indie level. Like right. that's just not cross my brain you know I was like oh people just won't have the budget for that or they won't have this like the the experience level and talent on an indie scale to be right. able to do 
what you're doing so it it's it's interesting for me that like you're breaking that barrier in a sense and no wonder people are interested in it well i i think so you know it um it was when epic games came out with these metahumans Mm -hmm. Do you know what a metahuman is? Should I describe that? Please, please describe it because although I I looked into it, <laughs> I can't say I've got a strong definition. Great. So, so in any three D tool, whether it's a um, you know CAD and where they're designing uh, automobiles, for example, before they mm -hmm. go and you know press them out of metal or fiberglass or whatever, mm -hmm. um, they design them in a computer, and there's a model that you can see in a in 3D um, of an automobile or architects use um, uh, you know tools to design a home. It's it's much better to to design a product um, virtually before you start cutting wood. Much cheaper you know, too. <laughs> it's much cheaper to measure twice and cut once and that's yeah. how you measure twice. And so metahumans are a model just like a home or a car but it's of a person and they have all the layers just like an architecture will have you know the plumbing and the electricity and the hvac systems and then the facade and the furniture um the metahuman has a bone structure it has muscles it has skin it has hair it has all this mm -hmm. stuff and then the, it, the dependencies so if you're to raise one part of the arm and then another part of the arm things stretch or if you're to you know, lift part of your face, the other parts of the face that are attached to it move with it. Yeah. Right? So everything is really beautifully constructed. Um, and, and one of the companies that makes this fabulous uh, face capture software and hardware asked me to help promote their stuff, faceware. And I said, look, I don't know if this stuff can convey authentic emotions. Mm. Like being beautiful is one thing, not particularly interesting to me. I've kind of graduated from being just plain excited about tech to only caring if it has human connection. Oh. Um, that's, you know, that's what interests me. And so I said, look, I can do an experiment with these metahumans to see if acting the way I know how to act, which is not paying attention to what we look like on the outside, but paying, not even paying attention, but just being um, present on the inside with the body being connected to and attuned to your scene partner yeah and um with whatever is arising whether whether those feelings are love or sadness or longing or anger mm -hmm. or frustration or whatever they are yeah and so i said like i'll put i'll i'll pick a bunch of monologues from plays that i've done and and different dialects because those exercise different muscle groups yeah 100 face and neck um and uh and we'll do a test and if it shows that it's promising then i can help promote your stuff mm. if it's not you, you can't have me because i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say something's great if it's not yeah right so uh that's how it began and i put out a call for directors um it was originally called the Metahuman Mocap Monologues. Oh wow. And it was it was truly an experiment. Great alliteration. To see if, if I know I have a problem being using alliterations. Um and uh it's the recovering Virgo in me. <laughs> 
so uh so i put out a call for directors and i interviewed mm -hmm. all these people i hired 10 directors very diverse you know women men people of color you know different mm -hmm. sexual orientations just so that we could have kind of diversity of directorial style and perspective and expression and um we started working with it and it was phenomenal mm -hmm. like it was just shocking that we could put no attention on the face just feel the feelings on the inside and mm -hmm. they um, because it automatically comes out of your face yeah you know when I was in school Carol Hickey was my main coach and I used my hands a lot as a tech CEO you yeah. present and use your hands it's a lot of bullshit in the air um she had me sit on my hands a lot mm -hmm. um and it turns out when you sit on your hands the emotion can't come out through your arms yeah so the only place for it left to come out is to like rise up and then come out yeah. through your eyes and that is what we saw happening with these metahumans yeah and uh, we're like wow we can't just this is not an experiment. This is truly an exploration into yeah. emotional richness. And um, some of the some of the scripts we couldn't get rights to, so we had to chuck those. And we wrote six new scripts, Nikki yeah. Levy and I, and we were able to use two Shakespeare uh, uh, scenes, a uh, uh, Tennessee Williams and a Eugene O'Neill. And that's when we said, you know, this has got to go on a streamer. Like real, yeah. real, real people should experience this because it's 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 pretty darn good yeah I mean I'm I'm intrigued as to how at what stage you added the the face and the visual elements um because if I'm right you were the sculptor for well I I I'm not a 3d artist yeah the, the, the metahuman creator tool that epic games makes mm -hmm. is uh is anyone can use it it's, mm -hmm. it's fabulous. I showed it to my mother the other day. It was like totally understandable. And, and I don't, you know, she, and um, I sculpted the faces mm. because I wanted them to look on the way on the outside that I felt on the inside as those people. Mm -hmm. I don't see them in third person. I see them as a reflection of me in a phase shifted reality. And did you do that before performing or after performing like at before. what point do you add before, before? so you know it's what a, you look a, like as the a character humanity is the very first most important thing you can add scenes and weather mm -hmm. and costumes and everything after the fact um but it's really about the the presence as a, yeah. as a person as a being so so i sculpted the faces that helped me for some of them i didn't really know who i was until I started sculpting mm. um, these people, um, even while the skips, scripts were in development. Yeah. So it's a way, you know, we look in the mirror and we see a reflection of who we think is us, right? Mm. It's really just this, the body, it, a really weird thing happened to me by doing this project. I played okay. so many different people Yeah. that um, I became less attached to this Eric Bear body mm. as me. It really feels like it's an avatar that I wear yeah. in everyday life. And some days I wake up and I look at my hands and I say, wow, what, what skin do I have today? And um, 
And so to take that back to the mirror, we look in the mirror and it tells us something about what we look like. And then we bind our identity mm -hmm. to that look. It is not us, right? Because we could, you can cut off your hand, you can cut off your arm, you can cut off your leg, you can cut off a whole lot of you and, and we are not diminished. Mm. There's no less of us. There's less of our body and our body is like a vehicle that carries us around. It's like a rental car for our time on this planet. So I see a question forming in your face. I just, I just, I'm just thinking as an actor, particularly the type of actor you are, that must be such a liberating experience. Like, ha like actors, especially nowadays, so grounded in aesthetic as an industry like what you can you can alter your appearance you can alter your weight you can add um um prosthetics you can do all sorts of things but at that heart you still kind of are in the shell that you're in um but this adds a whole new element to acting you know it, it, it's literally taking your experience taking your soul and and giving it a completely different shell yeah, I mean, it's it's not just good for acting. It's good for life, yeah. and it's good for spirituality. I mean, yeah. I, I I grew up studying. You know, I studied with Deborah Hay, the postmodern dancer, when mm -hmm. I was when I was very young, and so it was formative for me. This um, not knowing and playing awake and breaking down the boundary between being seen and seeing, and um, and and I studied with her again just a couple of weeks ago. I just spent two mm -hmm. weeks in the studio with her and 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 a couple dozen other dancer choreographers to kind of break down our habits of the ways in which we know how to move. Yeah. And using our seeing the world around us to affect us, and then we move without any sense of craft work, of planning, mm -hmm. of use of space, of things like that. And so this work in performance capture and motion capture and having different skins mm. is like uh the the aspiration of nirvana it's kind of spiritually mm. as a buddhist there's this non-attachment to form to mm -hmm. the to this this what we think is real but it's not real it's only this coalescence of um, matter temporarily right mm. but the being and what's what's connecting is this effervescent aliveness um regardless and so what you say uh it's it's both it's it's there's more flexibility to shape the way in which we appear mm -hmm. and less attachment to any particular form of it does any of that make any sense? I know it's fairly. It does. Stuff. It does. It sounds. It just sounds incredibly liberating, to be honest. And I'm a little bit jealous. Um, I wish I could live my life like that sometimes. Well, why can't you, Meg? Oh, unfortunately, I don't have. The, I don't have the 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 body movement that you dancers have. <laughs> I need to go do an anti circus. That's a story. Okay. That's a story you're telling yourself. <laughs> but in terms of. So, so you picked your scripts, and and all the all the episodes is ten episodes in belonging, and that's right. They're all they're all very emotional scenes. I mean, you set yourself in a monumental challenge. Not only were you testing this tech and um, 
producing this series, you were acting in it, doing multi-roles, acting against yourself. Um, what was the toughest part of, of that experience for you? Uh, well, um, there was tough all over. Yeah. I, I had no idea what we were getting into when we did. I th thought I really thought that I could do this for, you know, pocket change and uh, and a quick quick schedule. Really had no idea. Yeah. Be because I didn't know the tech, and I didn't know it would be involved. Um. So it just grew dramatically. I mean, thank goodness it did. And yeah. thank goodness we didn't know what we were doing. And thank goodness most of the directors didn't know what they were doing either. Yeah. Because people probably wouldn't have signed on. Yeah. <laughs> it was. And now having done it, they would. But seeing the, you know, the way in which we had to pave that, I mean, software crashes all the time. You lose files. You know, we oh. shot the first previs in the summer of 21 and i was in the middle of i was in the middle of shooting 1883 for taylor sheridan mm -hmm. and and i had a beard scruff and that just screwed up all the data it just we shot all the stuff the air conditioner broke in the studio i mean the computers melted down it yeah. was amazing <laughs> um and uh uh so and then and then not being able to get scripts, you yeah. know, six of the scripts I was calling and talking to managers and agents all over the world trying to get the rights to the six pieces that we couldn't get. Yeah. And we already had crafted wardrobes. We had done our camera work, everything. Oh. And then we had got to reverse engineer. It was I, I don't you know, I don't remember exactly how you phrased the question, but it was a really cool challenge to reverse engineer mm -hmm. a brand new script with brand new characters into an arc that had already been shaped with characters and bodies and camera work. So we took old script and new script and we lined it up to say, oh, what is the feeling here? What mm -hmm. is the feeling here? What is the feeling here? Wrote brand new stories, but yeah. kept the shape of it so that we wouldn't have to go and rebuild all the stuff we had done for previs. And then when I wrapped on 1883, I got to shave my face and then we just shot the entire season all from scratch. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, I mean, at one point, I I, I mean, not at one point, at all points, I completely applaud you because it sounds like for, for not just yourself, but all, everyone involved, you've you've made this, this creative playground, you know, where yeah. there, there's just, there is no limits you know you can well I mean apart from a room size but you know <laughs> that's it's, right it's... but even then you can you could have things move I mean some of the greatest things so in Duck it's, it takes place at the magic hour you know we have two magic hours in the day right yeah sunrise it's coming from the east when it's really low sunset when it's on the west and it's really low everything is golden and glowing and beautiful yeah. you got about 20 to 25 minutes to get some great takes in yeah. live action um and if you don't get it you got to come back the next day and if you don't yep. get it you come back the next day um so it makes for very expensive filmmaking or in unreal engine you just hang the sun there and you can leave it there all day long 
And in fact, it's not even there while we're shooting because we're just we're in kind yeah. of nowhere land. We're we're just shooting in a white room with tape markers that give me eye lines yeah. and some physical props that are made to match. Um, Corey Williams built all these props on set. Most most everybody was remote. Mm -hmm. um, the, the the directors dialed in over Zoom, and they had a multi-camera view. We had cameras in the room, and then they could see the data feed from uh, the um, the Movella Xsense suit data. They could see the data, the raw data coming through, um, and, you know, with with the gloves from Manus, and then a face camera so they could see the expression up close. So we gave them this kind of dashboard so they could see what was going on because yeah. they weren't physically there. But we did have to have a few people locally. Corey Williams was yes. motion capture director. Um, Luke Hill was the motion capture operator. Um, and we were still COVID, so everyone was masked except mm -hmm. for the actors. Um, and there were just a couple of us in the room. Carly Christopher, who shot all the previous work, ended up with COVID and couldn't come down to shoot. So we were able to reuse some of her original footage mm -hmm in three of the episodes and, and my partner uh Jana stepped in at the last minute and she's not an actor is she not but, oh good for her you know, and we were like we, we need we need you to do this so yeah. we got her to put on the suit and gave her the scripts real quick and uh phenomenal because she wasn't lost in any of the actor schmactor stuff she could just be a real person I, yeah oh yeah so it was the uh so what I was going to say what Corey did in the physical space so mostly it's a blank space, but we have to have some props that match the artifacts in Unreal Engine. For example, in Duck, we made a boat out of a bookshelf balanced on top of, it was like a piece of plywood with a bookshelf with coat hangers that oars, the oars from my kayak went into. And then the whole thing was balanced on um, my heavyweight punching bag. So it was really uneven. And then my son and Corey held and rocked this boat. And the reason why it was so important for them to rock the boat is so that Jana and Eric, our bodies in this world, yeah. would get yeah. mo moved and by being off balance. And then all the motion sensors in this X-Sense suit were real. It was organic. It was There was not animation. And that was just yeah. mapped on to Katie, Joe, and Apollo. And you see them moving because it's just what we did. So, so like all these things, we have physical artifacts or like the horse in in Richard II. We took a gymnastics mat from my daughter and stood it up and strapped on, a, you know, some rope and made stirrups. And he's Corey's down there on the ground looking at a video of a particular type of um, uh, walk of a horse on YouTube. And mm -hmm. he's rocking this mat in synchronization with the YouTube video. And, and that's causing my body to move with it, you know? And so we had to make these things. No one ever sees them except in the behind the scenes, like in the closing Which credits, I love, but... honestly, they're my favorite bit of like looking through the, <laughs> the pitch deck is seeing all these BTS shots, you know, because it, it just reminds me of the bit I love the most about the industry, which is the mad bit, the crazy bit. Like why do people put these, Put themselves in these situations because they enjoy it at the end of the day um it's so, so okay so that leads me quite nicely onto my question which is all the tools and tech that you used in this is is readily available um either 
free or or on the shelf or it's it's not behind any barriers you know so is that your hope that that, that this um this series that you've made kind of encourages filmmakers and even tech geeks to kind of explore these different areas absolutely look there's there's two areas that interest me in influencing people um uh filmmakers and tv makers uh and kind of aspiring young artists yeah uh, one has to do with the tech uh sure unreal engine is free for independent filmmakers um the the movella accent suits can be bought Manus gloves the helmets and then go take classes with CG Pro, uh, who has online classes to teach anybody how to learn to use these tools. Yeah. It's um, it's absolutely available to anybody who's got time and interest in doing it. It's not rocket science. It's mm -hmm. limited to kind of the bounds of your creativity and the risks you're willing to take. So that's one area. It democratizing filmmaking, because what would take you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to make Planet of the Apes or the Avatar films, uh, you know, or the the beautiful work on the latest Indiana Jones film, mm. um, you know, in de-aging Harrison Ford. It's like they put a young skin on him, yeah. right? Same concept. But here it is with tools that are accessible to independent filmmakers. Um, so there's there's no reason to not do that. So that's one. The other really important influence that I'm that I'm interested in making, um, more importantly, is to not get lost in the tech, mm. is to not focus on exercising these things for the sake of doing it, but to be in the body, to be actors, directors, to be working with actors to feel in the body, be in human connection with one another. Don't pay attention to the outside, pay attention to being present. And that's what's interesting to audiences because it's humanity. It's an exciting expansion of, of, of storytelling, really. And and yeah. that's probably like, that's the most human thing in the world to me is storytelling. And um, I don't know, it's, 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 it's fascinating to see how people like yourself are just kind of pushing the boundaries and exploring new things and and yeah, seeing what's coming next. So so tell us about the future of belonging. Is is there gonna be a series two? Is is it's on it's on Apple. I love being on Apple TV because it's it's nearly ubiquitous, pretty much everywhere. And Apple has incredibly high standards for what can be on there so we're in this pristine 4k presentation mm. that um you know i'm really proud of our team for having for having put that together um but we do have some pretty uh interesting ideas about where to go with this um you know we can take some of these characters and expand their lives yeah we can we can go to um longer episodes so instead of five to seven minute shorts that make up a one hour experience, they can be, you know, like one hour episodes that make up a 10 hour series. Yeah. Um, but, but, and, but more important than the form of it to me is the diversity that we can bring mm -hmm. going forward. We were very constrained, right? I yeah. starred in every one of these. 
in part because we were we were working within this budget. We were yeah. working within this COVID environment. Um, there's a bit of training to do with the systems on learning a face and our facial capture. Fred Junquera, you know, had to do a bunch of fine tuning of the lips and things like that. Mm-hmm. And and he had to learn my face and learn Jana's face and learn Carly's face, but it was limited to that. So, so I'd like to see more diversity mm. in actors um, and representation. Mm that we can get with a with a greater budget creativity is the limit you know it's yeah it's an exciting prospect and 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 when i was dancing with deborah hay over the last couple weeks here's one there were so many beautiful quotes i have like a book of things that she said while we were dancing but one of them that stuck out to me that that seems pertinent here she said i practice the impossible Mm. to access the deep ethics of optimism and even just saying it to you you know it gives me the chills and I feel the poignancy effervescing in my face it's like by doing what seems impossible allows us to stay connected with optimism Mm. and we drive that with power and curiosity and not knowing that's a great quote thank you for sharing that um okay Last question for you. Um, I try and do a little roundup with all the guests to share um, just a quick summarized insight of their experience in their creative role. So what are the good parts of what you do? What are the bad parts? And what are the mad, crazy bits that you just cannot explain (laughs) to someone who hasn't been in this industry? Uh, The good, the best is working with an actor's director is um, when I can turn over all the other all the other hats that I'm wearing, mm. you know, as executive producer and yeah. creator and scriptwriter, and then purely be an actor and be held within this the space that a director holds for us as actors mm. to be fully alive in this alternate reality, in this other being, and feel the feelings richly. And the, the the patience that's brought, and so you know the directors in belonging, you know, were across the board, actors, directors, and held a space for us. Um, that's the best. Uh, that's where I come alive, and mm-hmm. I feel. And it doesn't matter whether I'm feeling positive emotions or negative emotions. You know, it could be angry, it could be frustrated, it could be despair. But that beauty is what makes me feel alive. That. Yeah. And um, and I love that. Bad. The bad. Oh, you, when you lose a take, there's a mm. data file missing, and you're like, "Fuck, that was the best take," you know. Or the battery dies on your pack, you know, in mm. the middle of the thing. Like there's stuff when you're in the heat of it. Um, mm. I don't know. Like there's so many bad things that can go wrong, but it all comes out in the wash. So yeah. you know, um, or your budget is ten times as much as you thought it would be um you know you deal with that okay yeah. so that's the bad um, and the mad. bad when the, the when the director or the writer is like okay now that i see this we're going to do this we're going to change this like that and then you got to memorize it and mm-hmm. and then you not you'd not be in memorization place but just be playing in the body having just internalized it and i mean yeah. that's um it is uh bananas 
to be able to move between worlds yeah. and and do that on the fly with changes like that and um thank goodness because then it just like I mean who doesn't like having the rug pulled out from them under them it does give you this kind of creative adrenaline that I've not been able to replicate in any other <laughs> <laughs> right part of life um I would agree that's always my favorite bit is where thing you've got to just like drop everything and just focus on the task and make it happen to to the best of your ability if you had an actor had a had a creative sitting in front of you saying please Eric give me some advice um tell me how how do I face this beast of an industry what what's kind of the little tidbit that you might give them yeah, well, so, you know, the biggest challenge for me coming from an industry, a totally different industry where I knew how to be successful using charisma and negotiating, you could drop me in a room, I could get people to spend money, you know, I could get people to invest in a project, um, you know, do a partnership, you know, make it happen. All of those skills have not applied for me as an actor, it it works for me as an executive producer, but it hasn't worked for me as an actor um, because we self-tape, we throw it over the wall and 99 out of 100 times, certainly for me so far, you never hear anything back. And um, so I went through a, a period of depression, the first depression I had ever experienced in my life because I'd always been able to make shit happen. And yeah. and I and I nothing I knew about how the world worked was working in that place. There was no denouement. There wasn't like, hey, thanks for sending in your stuff. We decided to go a different direction. I mean, there's just not even that. So the advice that I would give, what I've come to, the way that I can be sane and feel alive is to treat auditions as the performance. Mm -hmm. That two-minute audition or three-minute audition is the whole of it. Don't treat it like it's a, a test to see if you can get the role. Be that person. Mm -hmm. Be fully alive in that world. See the sights in that space. Smell the smells in that world. Feel the feelings in relationship to your scene partner who may be a reader who's not an actor and is mm. totally gucking it up, you know, doesn't matter. That is the performance. Mm. And that way we're performing every day because we choose to be a performer and mm. we get to live that rich realm of emotions. If you get the job, icing on the cake, but treat the audition as mm. the work. And that's where uh, we can stay alive and feel rewarded. I think that's great advice and I think it rather sums up everything that you've been saying throughout this chat actually kind of live in the moment and just be present as a, as a soul in in work and life and in whatever projects kind of come your way which is a lovely thought to take and um, definitely a lovely one to leave it on so thank you very much um for chatting with me i've really enjoyed meeting you and chatting with you and congrats so much on on the project and i really hope oh, it goes well for you. you thank you for listening hit that subscribe button if you want more good bad mad see you next time <laughs>